You are listening to the Crossroads Community Church Podcast. To learn more about CRCC, including worship times, visit us at crcconline.com. But before we do, I do want to talk a little bit about 21 days of prayer so we'll be on the same page. If you did not get a chance, you need to make sure you get this outline. You should have been given one as you was coming in. There is enough for every person to have one personally. Do whatever you need to do. Take a picture of it. That's what I always do is put it in my phone so I have it with me at all times. That will crank up tomorrow. On this guide, it will also be at our Facebook and on our website. But you can get to that. It has a reading. It's going to take you through the book of Hebrews, and it has different focuses every day. And one of the things you're going to realize as you're going through the book of Hebrews is the fact that one of the things that is a central theme in the book of Hebrews, in fact, for the first two weeks, you don't get out of chapter 10 until next, a, a week from this Monday, two weeks from today. And this central theme that's there is the fact that Jesus is more. Like, I'm just going to help you out. For the next two weeks, as you're reading Hebrews, you're going to understand what I mean by the fact that Jesus is more. Now, to give you a little bit of background about the book of Hebrews, we don't know the author. There's a lot of debates about where it is. We figured it was written roughly a little bit before 70 A.D. because it's talking about the rituals and the sacrifices. So we believe it would have been before the destruction of the temple because these ritualistic sacrifices were still going on. But here's what we do know. We do know that this was written specifically to the Jewish Christians. So here are these people that are entrenched with this Jewish law, and they are in the process of trying to to accept Christ and exactly what he did on the cross for their sins. And so they're in the process of trying to, for lack of a better word, break the Old Testament ritual law and live in a New Testament relationship called a relationship with Christ. And so in order to do that, the author of the book of Hebrews writes to the Hebrews, the Jewish people, these Jewish Christians, trying to explain to them why Jesus is more. And with that being said, can we dive into God's word Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1. And listen to how he tries to explain it. Long ago, at many times, in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. Now, let me just hit the pause button. That's exactly what I just explained to you. So to give you kind of an introduction into Hebrews, I'm actually going to help you take care of your reading for tomorrow. So you'll read tomorrow and be like, oh, man, this, we've already done that to get you on the right page. But he's telling them, listen, it used to be It used to be that God spoke to his people through the prophet. But listen to that next word. But, but in these days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed the heir of all things. Through him also he created the world. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. And he, referring to Jesus, upholds the universe by the word of his power. After making purification for sins, talking about Jesus, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, having become a much superior to angels as the name he has inherited is more excellent than theirs. And what he's talking about, this author is saying, listen, I'm trying to get you to understand For you to understand what you're going to do to move forward, for you to understand there's going to be a part of you that has to put back, take away all the things you've been taught, all the things that you've learned, all the things to understand that there's something that's come along that's become more. Keep reading. He starts quoting the Septuagint. What's the Septuagint? The Septuagint is the Old Testament. 
If you were here during Mary and Bright, you heard me talk about the Septuagint briefly because during these conquering times, when the Greeks overtook basically most of the world, Alexander the Great, that influence became extremely big. In that time, they took the Old Testament and they translated it into the Greek. And so they're starting to refer to the Old Testament speaking in Greek. That is the reason why, if anybody was to ever ask you, your canon, the original context, the Hebrew is the Old Testament. The Old Testament was really written in Hebrew. New Testament was written in Greek. And you say, well, what's the importance? It's starting to help us to understand that God is opening up the door that once was for just his people, the Hebrews, is now being something for the whole world, the Greeks. If you were to be thinking, Greeks would also be a good word of saying Gentiles. Gentiles is somebody that is not one of the Jews. So what's the importance? Listen to how he starts using this Old Testament to explain who Jesus was to the Jews. So he starts in verse 5. For to which of the angels did God ever say? So he's starting to explain to them. Listen to what God's word says. God has spoken about his son. And listen to what he says. You are my son. Today I have begotten you. That's a direct quote from Psalms 2-7. Then he keeps going. He says, or again, I will be to him a father, and he shall be to me a son. That's out of 2 Samuel 7-14 or Psalms 89-26 and 27. And again, when he brings the firstborn into the world, he says, let all God's angels worship him. It's out of Deuteronomy chapter 32, verse 43. Or the angels, he says, he makes his angels winds and his ministers a flame of fire. That's out of Psalms. But of the sun, he says, your throne, O God, is forever and ever. The, this uprighteousness is the specter of your kingdom. And you love righteousness and hate it witness. Therefore, God, your God, has anointed you with the oil of gladness beyond your comparison. That's out of Isaiah chapter 61. And your Lord laid the foundation of the earth in the beginning, and the heavens of the work of your hands. They will perish, but you remain. They will all wear out like a garment. Like a robe, you will roll them up. Like a garment, they will be changed. But you are the same, and your years will have no end. Again, out of Psalms 102. And to which of the angels have he ever said, Sit at my right hand, until I make your enemies a footstool of your feet. And then listen to verse 14. Are they not all ministering spirits sent out to serve for the sake of those who are to inherit salvation? I just read for you your first reading that's going to be tomorrow. Hebrews chapter 1, 1 through 14. And what he's trying to get you to understand by quoting the Old Testament is that God himself in his Old Testament has already let you know that Jesus is superior. Jesus is more. If you were to keep reading, and you'll do this on Tuesday, in chapter 2, it starts talking about the aspect of salvation. Later on in the week, it's going to talk about Moses. It's going to talk about Elijah. Talk about some of these prophets. And in everything, for the first 10 chapters, he's trying to get the Jewish people to understand that Jesus is bigger than what they used to understand. Striving for all A's. You know, the hardest part for me with striving with all A's was the fact that I didn't realize there were building blocks. Like, I didn't realize that what I didn't get in second grade was going to mess me up in fourth grade. Like, that would have been a good thing to know. Like, I didn't realize, like, this whole thing called reading. <laughs> like, if you didn't understand sight words, like that when you got in seventh grade, nobody hit the pause button and said, hey, let's go back and learn our sight words. Like, in math, even when I got to college, there was an expectation that I would already understand certain things and those things would be foundational and building blocks and you would carry them forward and they would build on each other. 
I always get tickled. I have the opportunity uh, quite often to, to sub in different schools. I do it just because I love being around students. It gives me an opportunity to come in and help administration and help teachers. And we're in a partnership with Bradley County Schools, in particular Bradley Central High School, and them allowing us to use this amazing facility. And so anytime I can help somebody out, I like to do that. And I always get tickled because I usually come in, especially if it's math, and I have to have the same conversation. I'll say, hey, Mr. Peck, has got your worksheets on the, on the, up here on the podium. Now, just so we're all on the same page, I have no idea how to do what's on this podium. So you can ask me a question, and I'm going to give you all the same answer. I don't know. Now, there's always that one kid that says, well, does that mean you don't need it in life? And I tell them all the same thing. That's not to be answered today. All I'm telling you is, I don't know. They said, well, Mickey, can you figure it out? Could I? Yes. Will I? No. Why? Because I never liked it to begin with. Now, right now, there's some people going, mental note, never ask Mickey to sub. Hey, listen, we, we have great conversations. We get work done. I get them to start talking to each other. I said, what's cool is there's people in this room that do know because they have most recently been doing this stuff. See, the issue is not that I don't know. It's just I forgot. Like for me, it's been about 20 years, okay, been about 30 years since I was a freshman in high school learning algebra. And when you start telling me, hey, what, what is this number over, I mean, I'm like, dude, it, it's been 30 years. Like I, I'm just thankful that I made it 30 years. But I don't remember that. Listen to me. We laugh at that. But going into 2020, you want me to tell you what some of your biggest issues are? What my biggest issue is? We remember the things we should forget, and we forget the things we should remember. We remember the things we should forget, but we forget the things we should remember. That's what he's trying to get them to understand in that first chapter. He's trying to get these Jewish people to understand. Listen, I'm not here to break down some of these building blocks of your religion. But what I am getting you to understand is there's something more that has come along. And he does that by quoting to them something that would be very, very, very dear to their heart, the Old Testament law and the Old Testament words of the prophets and these psalms that were written by King David and some of these major people that were, were role models to them in their denomination, their religion, this Jewish sect. And he's trying to get them to understand, listen, I'm not telling you that that was wrong. What I'm telling you is, because of what's happening now, that's no longer the right way. Question to think about. Is there things that happen in your life that make what once was right become wrong? Are there things that happen in your life that make what once was right become wrong? Now, there's going to be that one person out there, philosophical guy, that wants to, you know, kind of have a debate. Well, Mickey, you don't believe in absolute truth? I'm not talking about absolute truth. I'm talking about your truth. See, I believe that the more we learn about God, then we start going on a journey where what used to be right for us now is saying, you know what? That's not the right thing anymore. You know why? Because God's got something more for my life. Like, that's the way I used to act. 
but now God's got something more. See, when Jesus gets involved, he redefines the rules. You may ask you a different way. If God answered all of your prayers in 2020, if you accomplished all of your resolutions for 2020, would it change anybody else's life besides yours? See, I think there's a time that it's okay to be like, you know what, I'm in this, this is brand new. Like, Mickey, I'm trying to figure this out. I'm, I'm moving forward. I'm not self-consumed. I just know that the greatest thing I can do for what God has in my life is, is to become the most godly person for me first. No issue whatsoever. But as you grow, a community should start being involved and your influence should start to grow. And the way that you run things should be centered on more than just yourself. It's okay to fix yourself through Christ first. It's just not okay to stay there. Because God's not in the process of restoring you just for you. In fact... There's other conversations that are in God's word that I want to talk about that I think will really help us to understand. There's actually two different times that God records his conversation with his son Jesus that's in the New Testament. And we're going to show those scriptures to you in just a minute, but let me set it up for you. One of them is at his baptism, and one of them is at the Mount of Transfiguration. And if we really look at what God says in both situations, it gives us a major epiphany to what you need coming into 2020, what other people know around you and what they need in 2020, and kind of a little bit of a focus as we go into this 21 days of prayer. Can I pull up the first scripture so you understand? The first scripture is found in Matthew, Matthew chapter 3. And it starts off in verse 16. It says, And when Jesus was baptized, immediately he went up from the waters, and behold, the heavens were opened to him. And he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and coming to rest on him. And behold, a voice from the heavens said, listen, here's the words. This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. This scripture is also found in Luke. It's also found in Mark. Both accounts are the baptism. He says the same thing. This is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. And on the Mount of Transfiguration, we record another conversation. The only two times we hear God talking to his son. And you know what he tells him? Watch this. Amazing. It's in Matthew chapter 17. It starts in verse, it's the whole story. It starts in verse uh, 5, or verse 1 of chapter 17. But listen to what he says. Are you ready? And a bright cloud overshadowed them, and a voice from the cloud said, this is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. This is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. This time he puts a tag on the end of it because he's trying to get the disciples to understand this is the Mount of Transfiguration. He said, this is my beloved son who I am well pleased. And then he gives an order. Listen to him. The listen to him wasn't a conversation he was having with Jesus. The listen with, to him was a conversation he was having through the disciples that were still having to be there because they're ready to start building tents. And building worship 
and building these temples and saying, oh, Jesus, what do you want us to do now that we've seen you in this transfiguration and we've saw these different witnesses and we saw these different people, this Moses, this Elijah. We can make a tent for Moses. We can make a tent for Elijah. And we'll make a temple for you and we can worship you. And he's trying to make him understand that he's got something bigger coming. But the biggest part of this is what God told him. He said, you know what? This is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Same thing he says both times. See, God, talking to his son, said the same thing. The only two times anything's recorded. You say, Mickey, why in the world are you beating that to death? Because I want you to understand what he's saying. Are you ready? This is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. You say, what's the point? Three things. You want three A's? Everybody. Everybody, we can learn from this conversation, needs three things in their life. Three things. You want them? Very simple. You need acceptance. You need acceptance. You need affirmation. You need affection. You say, Mickey, where did you get that? Well, let's look at that scripture again. This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. You know, the first thing, the first thing it talks about is acceptance. You know what? He's saying, you know what? This is my son. Do you know what a lot of people are looking for in life today? What's their place? What's my role? Where am I at? Where am I accepted? Where is my identity? What's my purpose? Where do I belong? Who am I running with? You know, even God looking at his son two times said, you know what? I want everybody to understand something. This is my son. You know, he's letting him know. He goes, hey, you know what? You're accepted. You are my son. And not only are you my son, but everybody needs affection. He said, not only are you my son, he says, you are my beloved son. You know what he's saying? He's like, this is my son, and I love you. Everybody not only needs acceptance, but they need affection. Everybody has a part of them that wants to not only be accepted, but to have somebody say, I love you. You say, Mickey, prove it. Well, okay, what are we going to do February the 14th? You want me to prove it? How about we made a national holiday out of it? In fact, if you don't have a significant other ones, you don't look a whole lot forward to February the 14th. I had a friend tell me one time, he said, oh, you're talking about National Signal Awareness Month. And I was like, what? He's like, yeah. He said, it's great if you've got somebody to give them a little hearts of candy and flowers. He said, but what if you don't? He goes, all I'm doing is getting put in my face that I don't have anybody. And I kind of was like, well, that's one way to look at it, I guess. But you know what he was telling me? I want to love somebody and have them love me back. I was created for affection. And not only are you created for acceptance, not only are you created for affection, but you're also created for affirmation. He said, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Isn't it good when somebody tells you that, a boy? I mean, isn't it, I mean let's just be honest. I am 45 years old. And you say, Mickey, at age 45, do you, do, you, do you get to a point where you don't care what other people think? Only if you're lying. Everybody cares what other people think to some extent. And I, I'm one of these guys that, that, that I, you know, talking about these, you know, love languages. There used to be a book out there called Love Languages. I, I'm very much an audio guy. I, I'm, I'm, I'm a, 
I mean, I'm like that dog. You know, the, the more you say, a boy, the, the harder I run. And everybody loves affirmation when they're doing something that they're supposed to be doing. In fact, most of you build your life based on not what you know is right, but by what you get affirmation from when you do it. You say, Mickey, prove it. Okay, your job. Do you go in and do what you know you're supposed to do, or you just go in and say, this is what I've done, and this is what they say. Hey, good job. You're going to get a raise. Good job. You're going to get a promotion. Good job. You're going to get blank. And that affirmation motivates us. See, these three things are three things that are very evident in Christ's life because of who God is and what he did. And then think about this. If God, being totally the creator, talking to the Son, who was just as much a part of God. He was fully man, yet fully God. I know that's kind of hard to grasp. That's where faith comes in. You have to understand. It was. And if Christ himself, who was fully man, yet fully God, needed those three things, what makes you think you don't? See, this aspect of, of affection, this aspect of affirmation, this aspect of acceptance, it's such a big deal that it even shows up in other areas of our life. In fact, I just showed you in Scripture kind of the start of it all, but there was this magazine called Ink Magazine. And they, they did this little whole article based on this whole concept of, of what does really make people stay in a relationship? What makes people stay in a workplace? What makes people have like, like less turnover in the job site? And they identified three things. Can I read them for you? This is an amazing podcast I listened to the other day that was talking about this, this article, and it just got my mind rolling so much. But they basically said this. Inc. Magazine said, did an article, and they said the employee's loyalty is based around three things. Number one, do they feel like they're a part of a team or a family? Do they feel like they're a part of a team or a family? Can I put it a little bit simpler? Do you go to Crossroads or are you Crossroads? Do you go to crossroads, or are you crossroads? And you say, Mickey, that's kind of a trick question there, isn't it? No, it's actually the easiest question in the world. You are crossroads. Like when God talks about his church, he's talking about his people. And it's the same thing as what he's talking about. They, they want it to feel a part of a team. They want it to feel a part of a family. This shows up greatly in athletics. I've watched teams that are not as athletic beat teams that have more talent. And the difference was one of them was a team and one of them was individual players. Just because you have the greatest player doesn't mean you always win the game. A.K.A. Tom Brady last night. Booyah, tighten up. Why? Because listen, 11... Beats one every time. Well, not every time. Because we got to play Baltimore next week, so that one can beat us. But a lot of times, 11 will beat one. And that's what he's talking about with this stuff. If you, want, if you want to have really this amazing thing in your life, realize that people in your life, you know what they want? They want to find somewhere they belong. They want to find acceptance. They want to find a team. They want to find a family. They want to find something that's more than just doing something at the present time. 
If all you're doing is holding practice and playing games, that's not a team, that's an activity. If all you're doing is showing up and clocking in and clocking out, that's not a career, that's a job. You say, what's the difference? Both of them end. The second thing he talked about in this article is he says, you know what? There's a feeling of affection and your opinion matters. The second thing they said in Inc. Magazine is there's a feeling of affection or that your opinion matters. In other words, just put it this way. There's a concept that, that I value you. You're a part of this. And it's not just that you're a part of it because, well, we need you. No, you're a part of it because we want you. And because we want you, you're a part of us and you're valued and you have input in this. The greatest thing that you can do to show value to somebody is very simple. Give them your time. Give them your ear. Like, let me ask you a simple question. When you find yourself in conversations, are you doing all the talking? Like, when you find yourself talking with somebody that, that you really appreciate and you love, are you the one doing all the talking, or, or are you doing more of the listening and asking questions? See, I've learned in leadership that great leaders don't do all the talking. They really just ask the questions and listen. Like the more you listen, the more you start realizing just how much everything has to offer. And then the last thing in Inc. Magazine, the third thing was that they know they are doing a good job. Amazing. Inc. Magazine wrote an article 2,000 years later talking about the three things that help people feel apart that keep them plug in, that will keep from staff turnover, are three things. Guess what they are? Acceptance, affection, and affirmation. You say, Mickey, what's the point? The point's very simple. The more we get into God's Word, and the more we start writing and discovering and listening to podcasts, it's so funny how many times podcasts always lead up to these great epiphanies in our life. And when we look at these great epiphanies in our life, it's already in Scripture and already been done. Like when we start talking about the things that people need, and we start talking about what we're going to be doing in 2020, you know what the reality is? Is God is superior than anything else, and he has more for you. You say, Mickey, I don't feel like more. Well, praise the Lord, your life is never built on your feelings. Because I don't know about you, but if I built my life on my feelings... That'd be a very miserable life. Because my feelings are a roller coaster. And I'm not talking about a roller coaster that's just up and down. I'm talking about up, down, twisted, upside down, through the water. I mean, it is all over the place. If you made a roller coaster based out of my feelings, you could make millions of dollars at an amusement park. You say, well, Mickey, how do you control those? Man, I, I wish I knew. It's the craziest thing. Like, I, I, will, I will come into worship and get into God's Word and, and have just a major sense of what God's wanting me to do and be like, man, this is exciting. God, I'm fired up. Man, let's go. And like 10 minutes later, I'll get blindsided by life like a left hook from China. And man, all of a sudden, I'm all over the place. Now, one of you sitting out there and going, man, the pastor's got issues. Listen, we're not debating that. I knew I had issues. The question is, are you willing to admit that you got issues too? 
I'm not talking about being angry. I'm not talking about punching stuff and throwing stuff. No, I'm just talking about like all of a sudden my focus. Like if my focus determines the direction, then I got to keep my focus on, on, on task. And it's amazing how quickly these little left hooks from China, they're not really focusing on me, they're focusing on my focus. Like it's almost like there's a spiritual warfare. Like it's almost like somebody's against us. Like it's almost like people understand that either you're for God or you're against Him. It's almost like there's this concept that, you know what? The greatest way to keep people from greatness is just to occupy their time. Because God's got something so much bigger for you. You know the only reason why you're not doing it? You ain't made time for it. There's a commercial out that's really funny to me. I've I've watched it a lot, watching all these different college bowl games and playoff games. And my poor wife made the comment last night. She goes, goodness, is football not over yet? And I'm like, honey, we got a whole other month. But it's talking about how amazing humans are. The things that humans can do. And it's got this one boy riding the Brahma bull, like the mechanical bull, and he's standing up. You know the one I'm talking about? And it's this great, I mean, it's talking about all the things that we do, but then we're scared to death to do our taxes. And I'm not talking about taxes. I'm talking about pursuing something bigger than yourself. It's amazing how amazing you are, but when it gets to pursuing God, you go, oh, man, oh, not me. I can't do that. I mean, as humans, we can invent a device that I carry around in my pocket that I can communicate with the world and get on the web and do it. But I, I mean, but to help somebody feel accepted, woo, Miggy. To show affection to people, woo. To give a little affirmation, whoa, slow your roll there, buddy. Think about the things that people have created. And in the whole time, God's saying, oh, but I got something more. If you think that phone can connect to people, let me tell you what your life can do. If you think technology is this amazing, amazing game changer, let me tell you how much everything changes when you get involved. See, for 21 days, I want you to Commit with me to get a prayer guide and to ask yourself this question. If God accomplishes all the desires in my heart in 2020, does anybody else's life change but mine? Can I sum up those three A's? Talking about striving for A's. See, the aspect of of the affection and the affirmation and to find those different things is very simple. It's our theme. You know what people want? They want to feel known and they want to feel needed. And if we're to be brutally honest this morning, even these two conversations 
the thing that you desire most, the thing that I desire most, is God, I want to feel known. I want to feel accepted. I want to feel loved. And I want to feel needed. I want to be affirmed. And that's what we're going to be praying for the next 21 days. And to get in his word. And I'm telling you, for the next two weeks, you're going to hear over and over and over again in Hebrews chapter 1 through chapter 10 just how Jesus is more. And on that third week is when the light bulb's going to come off. And he's saying, and because of that, here's what we're going to do. You say, Mickey, why does it take two weeks to get there? Because I got to get you to understand it. You have to understand that Jesus is more. You say, Mickey, how do you know when you know? Because when Jesus is more, he becomes enough. And if he's not enough for you, then he's not big enough in your life yet. If you were encouraged by today's podcast and would like to experience other talks, visit us at crcconline.com.